not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is never void of power. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And so, Father, as we come to hear the word, we thank you for the Spirit of God, who's not only here, but he's the author. He's the person who penned the scriptures and Father, I step back so he can minister life to your people. I thank you that he is going to breathe on your word. He's going to breathe on what's being taught. And Father, it's going to go from the Logos word to the Rhema word. And it is going to stick in the spirits of our hearts, God. And, and Lord, our lives will going to be transformed after having heard the word. I thank you for those who are watching at home that they won't allow distractions to keep them back from staying focused to hear what you want to say to us in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled Faith for Change. Everybody say Faith for Change. And the thought process behind the series is to help you and I embrace change with a faith attitude and faith actions. Everybody say, with a faith attitude and faith actions. Now, change can be one of the most needed things in our lives, yet it could be one of the most difficult things for us to do. I think one of the, one of the challenges in life is when we need to make changes, but we don't want to make change. How many have been there before? You need to make a change, but you don't want to make a change. Amen. So today we're going to discover the key, watch this now, to making any change in your life. You all should pay me for this sermon I'm going to give you today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a small review and then I'm going to jump into the message today. So in our first lesson, we looked at three primary ways that change can happen. Number one, we said change can happen to us. Everybody say to us. And this, of course, is when change happens or comes from life or others that we had no choice in. These are decisions that were made that no one asked us our opinion on. And then we said that change can happen from us. Everybody say from us. And these are when decisions are made that we make on our own that change lives. And, and it's something that we decide to do, whether it's good or bad. And so we looked at change can happen to us, change can happen from us. And then we talked about change that can happen or be directed by God. And this is when God wants us to make changes that will ultimately better our life. How many want a better life? If you want a better life, if you're watching at home and you want a better life, just put in there, I want a better life. And most people do want a better life. And so last week, uh, our second lesson, we looked at three different ways in how we can respond to change. Because, you know, you, you have to watch it. When change starts coming, what I want you to do is ask yourself, 
what is my response to this change? Because some of the changes that are going to happen, you have no say-so in, but that does not mean you cannot control how you respond to that change. Amen. So the first way we can respond to change is we can refuse to change. And this is what my staff was trying to do with the whole thing about masking, being fully vaccinated, but we worked through that, amen? And this is when we decide to just reject change altogether. And the take-home statement I gave you last week says, uh, or this is a take-home thought, many times people miss the promised land because they get stuck in comfortable land. And that's one of the reasons sometimes people refuse to change because they don't want, they don't want to leave their place of comfort. And then the, the uh, second way that we talked about responding to change was resisting change. And this is just when we begin to resist things that we know we need to do. It's, it's like resisting that piece of cheesecake. You want it. It looks good. It smells good. And you know it tastes good because you can taste it. The Bible says resist the cheesecake and it will flee. Right? It doesn't say that. And then the third way we looked at uh, responding to change is that we, we, we receive change. And this is when we accept change and we use our faith to make the adjustments that we need to make so that we can benefit from the change. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at one primary verse of Scripture today. We're going to look at many Scriptures, but this is going to be our foundation. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And uh, many times as believers, we need to change, but we, 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 we don't either want to change or we feel we lack the discipline to do so. So today, the teaching that I'm going to be doing is going to help us make some changes by using our faith. So if you're taking notes, our first point is a changed mind equals a changed life. A changed mind equals a changed life. Now, I can give you tons of examples of how this works in the negative. Because, you know, if you grow up and you hang out with, with, with negative people or bad people, and let's say you end up uh, hanging out with people that sold drugs, and so you decide that you want to sell drugs, and then you end up getting busted and going to prison. Well, your life changed because your mind changed, right? Well, what happens, listen now, in our minds eventually happen in time. I want you to say this with me. Say, what happens in my mind eventually happens in time. In other words, our lives today, listen now, are a manifestation of the thoughts that we had yesterday. I'm going to say that again. I want you to understand what I'm saying. You are where you are today. Listen, the manifestation of my life today are from the thoughts that I had from yesterday. Your life can only go in the direction your mind allows it. Most things that we experience, we experience because we had a mental thought before we physically did it. Amen. There's some sins you thought it out before you did it. There are very few sins you just fall in. Most of the sins, we planned them. Everybody smile. You won't know who I'm talking to. Just, just smile. 
So let's look at this verse uh, that most of us know. And I'm reading out of the New New Living Translation. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Why? Because of all he has done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. One of the ways to worship God is not just with your hands up. You can, you can worship God with your body. This is a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is a way of worshiping. Watch verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Watch this now. But let God, let who? Let who? Let who? Okay, so it says, let God do what? Transform you into a what? A new person. How? By what? Changing the way that you think. First of all, we have to let God do that. But it says we can let God transform us into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then he says when that happens, in other words, when we allow God to change us and transform the way we think, then he says you will learn, watch this, to know God's will for your life. You will learn what's good and pleasing and perfect. So listen. New me will come when the old me starts thinking new thoughts. I'm going to say that again. Because see, there's a new person on the inside of you. The Bible says, uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So there's a new me on the inside. But guess what? This old me, this new me will only come out when the old me starts thinking new thoughts. In other words, you will stay where you are by thinking the way you're thinking. In other words, a new me will come when I change my old mind, watch this, to think like God does. And these new God-like thoughts will lead us down a path, watch this, of knowing God's will and what pleases Him. And if there's any area as a pastor that I've learned that most people need in their life, most of my meetings are designed around people who want to know God's will for their life. And I'm saying to you, when you and I learn to think like God, I'm going to show you how to do it today. When we learn how to think like God, then it puts, it puts us in a position to know what his will is for our life. Amen. And your mind, listen now, is the gateway to an elevated life or distorted life. And this is why your mental health is so important. Look at your neighbor in the house and say, get your mind together. Look at your other neighbor and say, he talking to you. Now look at the other neighbor and say, but he talking to you too, though. If you're at home, I'm talking. Look, if you're watching me through the lens, you say, Pastor, I ain't in there to say nothing to my neighbor. Well, I want you to say to yourself, he smells your thinking. And it's stinking. <laughs> Mental health is so important. And this is why I believe, especially during this pandemic, the enemy has been attacking the mental condition of lots of people. 
If you check the suicide rate, if you check the depression rate, if you check the anxiety rate, if you check the medication rate, all of those things are up because, listen, this pandemic has been set up and the enemy is attacking people's mental conditions, even Christians. And the enemy's goal, listen, is to saturate your mind with anti-God thoughts which will eventually lead you to separating yourself from God's way of thinking. And this is why some people feel that the rest of their life they're just going to watch church through the lens. You can't do that. That's not God's way of thinking. Now, if you're at home and you can't, if you're physically incapable or your health doesn't allow you, that's different. But there are some people who are they're in great shape. You're working out watching me right now. I see you. Oh, yeah. How do you see me? I see you working out right now. I don't know who it is, but you're working out watching me. You should be at church. <laughs> now, see, when I be digressing like that, sometimes it'd be funny, but I'd be talking to people. So like last week, you know, I'll be preaching like I'm doing a side note here. This is not on my notes. I did a side note last week. I said, I said, somebody is, is afraid to, to fly. I said, God's up there in the sky too. Do y'all remember me saying that? I said, God's up there too. Well, guess what? One of my members brought a guest to church. This young man was 15 years old. He came to greet me. I started talking to him and realized he needed salvation. I led him to Jesus right there through the line, right? So I'm preaching that day. It's last Sunday and I'm talking about somebody is afraid to fly. I said, you're going to have to fly and you're afraid. Well, this young man needed to fly the next day to go get some treatment on something, right? And he looked at, uh, he said to the, the, the guest that brought him, he's talking to me because he was afraid to fly. So I'm talking to somebody who's working out watching me. <laughs> Let me get focused up here, right? The enemy's goal is to saturate our mind with anti-God thoughts because these thoughts will eventually lead us into separating ourselves from God by how we think. And this will only lead, listen now, to a life of stress and flesh. Everybody say stress and flesh. And Satan knows that the mind, listen, is the key component to believing. And this is why he blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from God's will for their lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3, they're going to put it on the screen. It says this, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. In whom the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds, watch this now, of them which believe not. What has he done? He's blinded what? The minds. So listen, when he wants to work on us, he works on, he's not, listen, he's only using your co-worker. But he's trying to blind our minds from truth. And it says, he's blinded the minds unless the light of the glorious gospel should shine. And this is why Pastor Evan teaches the word. Because my opinion is not going to take the blindfolds off you. But the word will. Somebody say amen to that. So let's read now Romans 12 through the Amplified Version. It says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed. Say transformed. 
but be transformed. That word means change. Watch this. By the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and new attitudes. Why? So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight. Watch this. For you. You and I have reached a dangerous place in our lives when we start accepting thoughts that contradict the way God thinks. I'm going to say that again. You and I have reached dangerous grounds. We've reached a dangerous place in life when we start accepting thoughts that contradict the word. When you start, now, now, now I didn't say you have the thoughts. I say when you accept them. When you start accepting thoughts that contradict God's word, then it puts you in a dangerous place. Now, that word change, you know, uh, in the King James, it says, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word cha- transform, it means changed. And it's the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get our English word metamorphosis. You know what butterflies and, and uh, the caterpillar does. And that word changed or metamorpho means to transform. Watch this. Literally or figuratively. It means to change and transfigure. In other words, it means to go from one state to another state. I'm going to show you this word metamorpho or change in another verse. Matthew chapter 17 verse 1 through uh, verse 1 and 2. And this particular word, change, by the renewing of your mind, it shows up as a different word, but I'm saying it so you can understand the context. It says, and after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he brought them up into a high mountain apart. Verse 2. And he was transfigured. That word transfigured is that same word changed. He was transfigured. He was changed. He was metamorphosed before them, and his face did shine as the sun. So I'm going to give you a take-home statement here that I want you to write down. Or if you follow me through the notes, a changed mind becomes a changed life. If you want to change your life, all you have to do is change your thought process. Now I'm going to show you how to do that today because it is possible because I have changed my mind on throwing coffee on people. I have. Because I haven't done it anymore. I've had a metamorphosis. I've had a change. Right? So how does our minds work? Because I want you to first see that your mind, you know, the, 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 they had a saying, the mind is a terrible thing. To... I don't think most people understand that your mind stands between your success and your failure. Your mind stands, listen, stands between your wealth, your prosperity, and your poverty. Most people who are poor, they're poor because they think poor. Most Christians only get enough for their needs to be met because they're satisfied at that level. Most people are satisfied with just enough. Just enough. You got just enough for food, just enough for gas, just enough to pay all your bills. You got just enough. And you know what? It's fine until an unexpected bill comes up. Then just enough is not enough. But see, a bill should not help me determine if, if just enough is enough. You know what? Why? Because the moment I don't have enough to help somebody, I don't have enough. 
Because God always has other people in mind, not just us. Someone say amen. So here's point number two. I'm going to talk about how our minds work. Change happens one thought at a time. Change happens one thought at a time. Second Corinthians chapter 10, it says, For the weapons, I'm reading out of the King James, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God. Watch this, to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, casting down what? Imaginations. And every high thing, watch this now, he's telling us what to do with these strongholds, these thoughts. He says, casting down imaginations and then everything that exalts itself, watch this, against the knowledge of God. And then he tells us what to do at the end. He says, in order for all of that to happen, you're going to have to bring into captivity. What does it say? Come on, church. How many thoughts? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. You and I cannot afford one negative thought. One negative thought can send you to prison. I'm going to kill that fool. Yeah, you going down. You going down. So this is how the minds work. Number one, this is how your mind works. Number one, words become thoughts. Words become thoughts. Everybody say words become thoughts. Okay, so if I were to describe something with my words, you would eventually be able to get a mental picture of what I'm saying. How many uh, have had ramen noodles before? Let me see your hand. Ramen noodles, ramen noodles. See, you had to see ramen noodles in your mind for you to even respond to my question. Some of y'all done already saw it in the microwave. You stirring it up. Words become thoughts. Here's number two. Thoughts, watch this now, become mental images. And this is where imagination comes in at. When you think about something and you think about it long, long enough, you're going to get a mental picture. This is why pornography and all the things on the Internet uh, that are there are not good because what they do, they produce an image and those images produce strongholds. Which is number three, imaginations then become strongholds. Here's number four, strongholds then determine our behavior and our habits. And then number five, behavior is the result of what we've chosen to believe. So once you and I see these uh, strongholds, these strongholds become habits and behavior, then our behavior is a result of what we believe. You know what? In other words, I believe it. That's why I do it. So listen, you don't just believe something. It shows you believe it when you do it. Here's number five or number six. What we have chosen to believe is a result of the thoughts that we've had. And then it goes back around the same cycle. The thoughts that we've had are the results of the words we've heard. So listen, thoughts, everybody say thoughts. Thoughts are small installments which will over time birth a spiritual image. I'm going to say that again. Thoughts are small installments which will over time birth a spiritual image. Our words become the final payment. See, this is how you know what you're thinking. You know what you're thinking by what you're saying. And see, your mind will determine what level in life you live at. Oh, listen to me, church. Your mind. See, some of us, you don't have an income problem. You have a mind problem. This is why you can get a raise. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're in the room in through the lens. You got a raise 
they actually paid you more money and you can't even tell. Because when you have a poverty mindset, you will never have enough. Your mind can take you to new levels. Listen, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. You know, all of my, most of my friends are pastors, and so I'm having this conversation. And this particular pastor travels a whole lot. And I said to him, I was like, man, let's go in half with a plane. Because I'm going to get a plane one day. He said, well, pastor, you don't need a plane. Who are you to determine my needs? Okay. We can solve that right now. If you could afford a plane, would you buy one? Raise your hand if you could. See that? So, 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 it's okay. All right, so here we go. So, so I was like, man, let's go in half with a plane. This is what he said. I would rather have a house than a plane. Now, how many agree with him? I'd rather have a house than a plane. Yeah. That's all? R- raise your hand. If you'd rather have a house than a plane, you know. Okay, and I don't have no problems with that. But you know what my thought was when he said that? Why can't I have both? <laughs> Who says I have to pick? The same faith it takes to get a house is the same faith that it takes to get a plane. I want both. Your mind determines the level you decide to live at. Say amen to that, church. Don't get stuck on the plane, okay? Don't get stuck on that. I'm just dreaming out loud. That's all. But when y'all see a plane go by and under this says word of truth under it, you be that there's past right up there. <laughs> Woo, here we go. How you and I think determines the level of our success because the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So there are four areas that have influenced the way we think. And I'm only going to give you these four areas. I've given them to you before. It's been years. But I want to give you these four areas. Why? Because I want you to understand that your thinking has been influenced by these four areas. So that you can now know why you think the way you think. And then know why you need to change. Because some of how we thought, we got it from Uncle Billy. Come on, everybody got an Uncle Billy family reunion he get drunk and start preaching how many got some of those people get drunk and start preaching why can't you preach sober that's what i want to know (laughs) so there are four influences that shape how we think number one is our social surroundings this is so obvious these days our society our culture social media the news all of those are areas that have shaped our thinking you know we have allowed social media to shape how we think about something and we haven't even done the research to determine if it's true or not Here's number two, authority figures. These are credible people that we grew up. These are teachers, educators, coaches, parents. These are people that have uh, influence in our lives because they were authority figures. But just because they were grown doesn't mean they were right. Here's number three, consistent and repetitious information. And this is why they show the same commercials over and over and over. Why? Because faith comes by how? By reading. So you're in the grocery store wondering why you're picking Dove. Because you saw 25 Dove commercials and you decided to try it. Here's number four, personal experiences. 
In other words, these are things that happen to us and then we develop our perception about it. The bad thing about that is most of us, we had personal negative experiences before we ran into Jesus Christ. So those personal experiences are still governing our lives because they was the first thing that got in. But I'm going to show you today that if you put the word in, the word will drive negativity and negative experiences and doubt and unbelief. The word will drive that out just like rage drives out roaches. Come on. Have you ever had roaches before? Raise your hand if you've ever. Nobody want to raise their hand Listen, roaches, well, you know, we didn't have roaches growing up. We really didn't. We didn't have roaches, but we had a cousin that came to live with us, right? I hope they're not watching me right now, but they had roaches. So they moved out of their apartment, came to live with us and put their furniture in our garage all of a sudden we had roaches so if you hang out with a roach you gonna be a roach personal experiences here's number five friends and family these are people that shape how we think and who you are around influences how you think. So here's the thing. Here's the last part here. How do we change our thoughts? Because I'm telling you, if you change your thoughts, you will change your life. Here's the last point. Point number three. You must put in the right thing to get out and drive out the wrong thing. I'm going to say it again. You must put in the right thing to get out the wrong thing. In other words, I believe we underestimate the power of the word. Listen, how many did the, uh, the faith fast? Listen, let me tell you what that faith fast did for me. It showed me how much extra time I had that I didn't know I had. Listen, my social media time has still been cut down because I've decided... I was in it too much. And y'all know me, I'm not even good at it. But I was like, I could be doing something else with that. I could be putting the word in. And some of you all, I know you like your peaches in Georgia. <laughs> some of y'all will get it in a minute. Y'all kind of slow today. I know you, you like your peaches out in Georgia, but, but you need the word in you. Listen, the only reason we struggle with negative habits, sins, or poor disciplines is because we have not put something in us that is more powerful than what's already in us. So watch this, Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner. The word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. The word of God is living. It's alive. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. The word penetrates. Mm. The word penetrates, watch this, even to the dividing of your soul and your spirit. 
Your soul and your spirit are so close. Only the word can divide it. And so when it's time to make difficult decisions in your life, the word is the only thing that's going to be able to divide your feelings from your faith. And here's, uh, I got some bad news. Everybody say, what's the bad news? The bad news is there is no shortcut to putting the word in. But if you'll put it in, it'll drive everything else out. So let's talk about now how to change your thinking. Here's the first thing. You got to start with truth. Okay? So forget about Tony Robbins. I'm not against motivational speakers. uh, But listen, go put every book you got on the shelf and pull down the Bible. Because if you don't start with truth, you'll never get free. Because the Bible says uh, that the word is truth. So, and he said that the word sets me free or makes me free. So you got to start with truth. Okay, so that's number. Well, that's not number one. That's just in overall, number one. Then number one, once I start with truth, I must desire it. You know, the Bible says, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. You, you, you must desire the word. You say, well, pastor, how do I? Be? Okay. Uh, let me see how I can say this in a rated PG setting. Okay, I'll use something different. You ever ate some cake and it tasted so good, right? That you wanted another piece? So you went and got one. And after you ate it, it tasted so good that you wanted another piece. So you wouldn't feel guilty, you waited a few minutes (laughs) to eat the other piece. Then you found yourself like, and then what's interesting is we make the third piece smaller. Like it's really going to make a difference, right? It makes us feel better, so we just do a small piece, right? Well, watch this. The more you ate the cake is the more you wanted the cake. The more you put that word in is the more you're going to want that word. So you must desire it. Here's number two. You must now digest it. So I'm about to show you how to digest. Man, I got four minutes. I'm going to show you how to digest this word if you don't get nothing else. Because, see, a lot of people, they are around the word. Some of us even hear the word, but we haven't learned how to digest that word. So watch this now. How do we digest the word? I'm going to give you one simple technique here. It's called meditation. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, this book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth. There's a key. But watch this. He says about the word, you shall meditate in, how much? Day and night. See, now if you, if you don't know what the word meditate means, you'd be like, Pastor, I can't meditate day and night. I got a job. You shall meditate in a day and night. And then, one, listen, church, this is why it's hard to do the word, because you haven't meditated on it long enough. Because he says, after you meditated, then you observe to do. And then, watch this, what happens? You will make your own way prosperous and have good success. So here's the key now. This is how you digest the word. 
that word that we read there, meditation, it means to imagine. It means, watch this now, to speak. It means to mutter. You know how you mutter when your parents told you to do something you didn't want to do? Evan, you need to go in there and clean that room. You need to go clean your own room. Mutter. We know how to mutter. Now, the problem with us getting, you know, we muttered, we got slapped. Well, God don't mind you muttering. But this word, when he says meditate, it means to speak, to imagine, to mutter, to utter, and to pray. Proverbs 8, 7, I'm going to show you this word, meditate. He says, for my mouth shall speak truth. The word speak is the same word, meditation. He says, for my mouth shall meditate truth. In other words, one of the ways that you digest the word, you got to open up your mouth and you got to say it. Psalm 2, verse 1. It says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. That word imagine is the same word meditate. When he says you shall meditate in the word day and night, it's the same word. So when it says meditation, it means to speak, mutter, but it also means to imagine. You say, well, how do you do that, pastor? See, this week I came in, I don't know, it was about 10 at night or whatever, because I'll come through here and pray and check all the doors and make sure all the doors are locked and stuff. I st- you know, they, my staff don't know I'm, they know I do it, they just don't know when I do it. So I was here, I don't know, it was about 10 o'clock at night. I come in here, you know, the lights were on, not all of these, but the lights were on. And so I came in and I I sat on this stool right there, that stool right there. And uh, I imagine every seat in this church full. Everybody say imagine. It just means to see yourself doing, watch this, what you want to do. Isaiah 59.3 says, For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Watch this. Your tongue has muttered. That word muttered is the same word meditation. Your tongue has meditated perverseness. Well, if it can meditate perverseness, it can meditate righteousness. You utter with words, not with your thoughts. So, You must meditate. That's how you digest on the word. Here's number two. You got to declare that word. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Mark 11, 23 says this. I'm hurrying up right here. It says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to the mountain, watch this, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Watch this now. I want you to see what you're supposed to believe. That you believe that those things which you say, what do you believe in? You're not believing for a car. You believe in what you say. And then he says, when you believe what you say, you shall have what you say. Not what you see, but what you say. And this is why people never get what they want because they're saying what they're seeing. So after we, this is how you digest it. After we declare with our mouth, then you must do it. This is when now you put the rubber to the road. James 1.22 says, but if you be doers of the word and not hearers deceiving your own selves. Verse 25 says this, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. And he being not a forgetful hearer, watch this now, but a doer of the word. Watch what happens to that man. He's what? He's blessed. So this is how we're going to apply this. 
this week I want you all to get some index cards. How many have index cards at home? Anybody? Okay, get you some index cards. And what you're going to do, you're going to take five scriptures that you want to see manifested in your life, and you're going to write them down. So I'll give an example. Let's say, for instance, you're struggling with giving. It's a very, it's a strong strength in my life, so I'm going to use that. Let's say you're struggling in that area. So what you need to do is go to Malachi chapter 3, and then you, you, you write down where it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. You want to see that in your life. But then after you write down what you want to see, you also write down the promise of you doing that. And then he says, the windows of heaven will, will open up and blessings will be poured out. So you need to get five verses. They don't have to be all the same topic, but just get five verses, write them down. And then after you write them down and you write the promise down, I want you to pray those verses. Pray them. Pray them. Lord, I thank you for helping me to bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there's meat in your house. And then, Lord, as I do that, I'm going to test you. And you said, if you would not, you would open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. So, Lord, I thank you for that taking place in my life in Jesus' name. You could do the same thing about any other area, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's, whether it's uh, stress, anxiety. And then after you pray them, you're going to say them. You say, well, what's the difference? One of them, you're talking to God, and one of them, you're talking to you. Then number four, you need to see them. You need to see it. And then you need to expect it. That's what I do. I expect favor from people. I'm closing with this. So we, you know, had to pack up my office at the house. I'm putting all these boxes and stuff. And, and, and I needed some, uh, some extra tubs. So I sent heaven to go get me some extra tubs from the dollar store. Soon as heaven leaves, it start. You know, you know Texas. It start raining like the devil is taking a shower. I mean, just. I mean, just. I mean, just downpour. Just. I feel sorry for heaven. Heaven gets to the dollar store. Apparently, it rained so hard it knocked the power. Uh, that messed up the electronic payment part of the, the, the dollar store. So heaven calls me and says, Dad, the credit card processing is not working right now. You can, we can only pay cash and I don't have cash on me. I said, well, heaven, ask the lady, can you take it and bring the money back later? Dad, I'm not doing that. I was like, why? I'm not asking her that. Who's going to do that? I was like, heaven. I said, okay, heaven, uh, just give her the phone. I'm not doing that. I was like, why? It has nothing to do with you. She said, yeah, but nobody's going to. I said, okay, I'll put you on speaker. So she puts me on the speaker. Now, you have to understand, I expect you to say yes to me. I expect so much for people to say yes. When they say no, it shocks me. I'm like, what? <laughs> right? I know I'm over the time right now. So wait, y'all want me to finish the story? So, so she puts me on speaker, and it's a young girl. I, I, I was like, uh, she tells me her name, 
And I, you know, I said, uh, let's say her name is Tanya. I don't remember what it was, but let's say it's Tanya. And, and I was like, Tanya, I said, do you ever see a guy that comes up there in a Bentley? She was like, no, but she says, I, I know who, I think I know who you are because I guess my face was on Heaven's phone. You know how when people call you and you got their picture, it shows, you know, shows up so she could see me. She said, yeah, but I've seen you before. I said, but Tanya, I need you to do me a favor. I said, I really need what Heaven has bought. And, uh, I don't want to have to have her to come back or me to come back. So can you just let her take that home and I'll bring the money back later? She says, okay. I hang up. Heaven comes home with all the stuff. I say, heaven, what did you learn, baby? The girl, listen, church, the girl took $31 out of her own pocket and she paid for my stuff. Why? Because I had an expectation for somebody to show me some favor. Why? Because I believed the word and I meditated on the word. And when I give, he says he will cause all favor to abound toward me. So later on that day, I sent heaven up there with $50 and told her she could have it. Church, let me tell you something. You can change your life by changing your thoughts. He said, Pastor, that sounds kind of new age. I just read you in the Bible. Let me read it again. Because see, somebody, see, don't, see, see, that's the devil. Just trying to get you to not, that sounds new age. No, it's the Bible that the new age people took. How many received the word today? Give the Lord a hand clap if you did. Oh, with every head bow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, church, with every head bow, it's not what you say that changes your life. It's the faith in what you say that changes your life. You say, well, how do I know I'm having faith? Because if you speak the word, that's where faith is. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. So faith is already built into the word. If you'll just get the word in you and you say the word outside of you, the word will change your life. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, uh, I've never heard this before, but it sounds intriguing. Here's my question to you, especially those who are watching me today. If you die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven.